Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, two-time Oscar winner Christoph Waltz on becoming an overnight sensation in his 50s and his new film, Alita, Battle Angel. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Welcome to a very stimulating, fascinating conversation with, uh, as I said, two-time Oscar winner in a relatively short period of time, I will add. He, of course, won for his two collaborations with Quentin Tarantino on Django Unchained and, of course, in Inglorious Bastards, which changed his career. Christoph Waltz is the guest on today's Happy, Sad, Confused. And I'm going to be frank with you guys. I was really nervous for this conversation. <laughs> Christoph is a very unique, particular person. And I've watched a lot of interviews with him. I've actually interviewed him a couple times over the years in smaller settings, like in red carpets or junkets. Um, and he's an intimidating presence. He's exceptionally intelligent and, um, and is the kind of, uh, kind of person that will really engage with you. And I, this, these sounds like, sound like good things, but in a way, if I guess my point is if you are lazy and are asking lazy questions, Christoph can pick you apart with his, um, fierce, intellect. So uh, I had to kind of bring my A-game to this one. I'll be honest, guys. I was I really prepped hard for this one. Um, I wanted to make sure that we were on the same wavelength, that I understood what he was all about. He has very um, specific kind of ideas about acting and, uh, and, and how it's taught and, and methodologies. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled to say that I, it was a great chat. I, I really... Uh, I felt I have a newfound admiration for him even more than I did going in. Um, and I think, I think for actors out there, fans of his work, um, you'll get something very special out of this conversation with Christoph. It's a very uh, open and direct conversation about his early life growing up in Vienna in a theater family, his kind of rebellion against theater, uh, his work in New York in his 20s, waiting on the likes of Bill Murray when he was trying to establish a career, uh, his 30 years of not really struggling, but kind of becoming a, jo a jobbing actor in Europe. And then, you know, this metamorphosis into this beloved international actor um, starring in some of the biggest films of our times. Uh, it's now been 10 years since Christoph um, appeared in Inglorious Bastards. And uh, since then, as I say in the conversation, he's worked with so many fantastic filmmakers, Tim Burton, uh, Terry Gilliam, Alexander Payne, Michelle Gondry, to rattle off a few. Uh, and now he's working with not one but two uh, visionaries. Robert Rodriguez is the director, and James Cameron is the co-writer and, and really the, the brains behind Alita Battle Angel, which is... A, a film I've been I've known about for many years, based on the manga uh, comic. It is quite a sight to see in a, in a theater. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a, in a weird way a coming of age story for a young woman, a young a cyborg taken in by um, Christoph's uh, character, Doctor Ito. Um, it's got huge spectacle in terms of the action sequences and the world building. Um, but I really did enjoy it. I think it, it bears the mark of a, of a great James Cameron story. Um, and I'm thrilled to see that it's finally gotten to the big screen. And if audiences respond to it, I'm sure we'll see some more of this as well. So, um, I guess that that's all I'll say about the film, except to say, um, 
you know, as Christoph and I talked about, there's a lot out there in terms of spectacle and bombastic explosions and stuff at the movies. But this one, I think, really has something um, more to it than that. So I hope it does succeed. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Christoph. As always, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Spread the good word. Um, and, yeah, enjoy this chat with uh, one of our finest actors today, Christoph Waltz. Hopefully near the end of this mad uh, run? Nowhere near. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nowhere near, okay. but uh, it's okay, you know. It's for a good cause. <laughs> there's a lot of sensory. If you get bored by me, sir, there's a lot in here you can just bounce off of. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whose is this? That is um, Danny McBride painted that of me once, the actor Danny McBride. He actually went to art school. He's a. I just meant to say it's not bad. It's actually not. It's not bad at all. <laughs> it's not. My favorite is many people have come in here and being like, "Oh, how old is your child?" And I'm like, "Nope, that's, no, no, no. That's you, a forty-year-old man's yeah, painting can, of me." You can see that. <laughs> um, there's no formal introduction. This is just a conversation, sir. Kind of fabulous. Um, it, it's such an honor to have you here. I'm, I'm, Please, I'm, it's I'm, not. It's <laughs> my pleasure. Uh, congratulations on your work in this new film, um, Alita: Battle Angels. The film, I very much. Uh, enjoyed it. it. You know, we're we're used to seeing a lot of spectacle these days, but um, there's a lot of empty spectacle out there, and this one has something in there that I connected I, with. I couldn't agree more, as the saying goes. Um, yeah, th this is this is one thing I always refer to. You know, when, uh, when people say, oh, yeah, "I'm not really interested in these movies," you know, superheroes. First of all, it's not a superhero movie, right? Well, you know, these, these grand sort of uh, uh, spectacles, uh, visual effects. Uh, yeah, fine. You know what's really fabulous about this thing is that the visual effects are completely subservient to the story. Right. And if you and if you look back, I mean, I grew up, as you can tell, in, the, in this office, um, in the era of James Cameron, of sort of when he right. really started to make his great works. And all of them are like that. They're all... Um, pushing technology, but never um, at the disservice of emotion and exactly. story. Exactly. Or um, at the expense, even, you know. Right. And this is what it's about. Right. Because what other element of a movie would you want to relate to, if so, not the emotional depth, right. so to say? So if you'll indulge me a little bit, I'm, ju I'm just curious. You know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about the... Um, theatrical experience, whether it's in danger, et cetera. And this is certainly a film that, um, sure, I'm sure it'll work on a small screen, et cetera. But um, this is, a, I think, a great filmic experience, a great communal experience. Um, were those kind of experiences in, um, really influential in your youth, the uh, theatrical oh, absolutely. experience? Absolutely. Uh, essentially. You know, whether it was movies or theater or opera, um, absolutely essential to be there with others. Yeah. Um, and you, you say that communal experience, and of course it is, but it's a communal experience of what? Not necessarily of the community. Right. It's a communal experience. You and oh, of, what's up there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that really, even though I've been in, in movie theaters that were sold out, 
you know, if the attention is not directed properly, but the attention again, attention of what? Right. You know, if we lean back and and let them because it's three D throw stuff at us, or if it's too you know carry on sort of hardware hitting each other, um, there was a, yeah, fine. Can you do it? Well, you can see that one can do it. Right. What do I have anything to do with it? And what does the next guy have anything to do with right. it? Right. And and those pleasures are disposable too. They might be entertaining. They're like they're kind of candy that goes right through you. I feel like you know, especially for a child, the child can enjoy sort of like the spectacle maybe of a something being thrown at your face. But um, yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I think there's a, a responsibility involved. You know, if you really drag someone into a movie theater and make them pay, why? Let them go, sort of semi-satisfied, right. or 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 gratified on a level that you wouldn't want to be gratified on. Right. You know, no, give them the whole thing, give them the real thing. Jim Cameron is the master of that. Definitely. I, as I understand it, you uh, you grew up in Vienna, and um, there's a film museum, the film museum, the, I guess, in in Vienna. The, that was an important part of uh, your coming of age in terms of absolutely learning about film. Absolutely. Um, I became a member very early on because because that's where you could see all the Marx Brothers movies in, movies in original version. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of drew me in, and um, it, you know, within two years, I was watching experimental movies and right. retrospectives of um, Pier Paolo Pasolini and stuff like that. Right. You know, and it was a real education. Have, uh, I mean, it strikes me, obviously, one of the key collaborators in recent years, of course, has been Quentin, who, you know, he programs well, the I, New I, Beverly. I, he, I, I, he was not a collaborator. If anything, I was, well. you know, <laughs> nah, come on. <laughs> I don't know what he would say about that. He's been in here. He's a, he's a delight, as you know. Um, but, but I guess my point is he shares that, um, that lifelong passion that for all types of cinema. Um, and I guess only the, again the common denominator is what entertains and connects with him. Um, I just love because you you know you, it's funny I've, I've I've watched a lot of your interviews I've heard a lot of your interviews and you you maybe tongue in cheek or not you call yourself a snob sometimes but yeah. I don't know if you are a snob sir because well, a snob wouldn't be maybe in Alita Battle Angel they might thumb their nose at the the idea of it. Well, the, and, and, and I think there's even. Even for a snob, there is a space and a place in Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. You know, because it's really the, 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 most, the most comprehensive movie experience that you could wish for. Right. Um, and I'm not talking about the rumbling seat. I'm talking about your emotional yes. and intellectual uh, engagement. And um, that's, that's what I always advocate. If you throw stuff at people, they will lean back. And if they, once the back touches the back rest, the rest will set in. You want them off the back, back rest. Leaning forward. <laughs> at, but at the edge, at the front edge of the seat. Yeah. Trying to, you know, um, um, enter, enter the events right. that um, unfold in front of them. Uh, at least that's what I like no. about being in a, in a, sitting in a movie. Of course. Um, as I understand it, I mean, 
ironically, you're, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but your act of rebellion as a young person maybe was not going into the family business or, or trying to resist going into the yeah, family business, yeah. which was theater. Exactly. Well, the theater or, or, you know, my parents were active in movies too, and my grandparents acted in, actually, my great grandfather was in, uh, in, uh, in a silent movie, a very big silent movie that was shot in Austria. And, Amazing. Uh, it still exists. That's fascinating. That yeah, must be a trip to watch. That's crazy. Hey, well, I, you know, I saw it as a birthday surprise once <laughs> when I lived in, in, in London and the BFI put it on. And I didn't know. And uh, I sat there and I thought, well, okay, fine, why not? You know, uh, interesting. And I recognized him on, on not because I knew him, but because there are pictures around that I've seen. Right. And that was a creepy experience. That's amazing. <laughs> did you? So did you have an immediate kind of aversion to the theater, or did it take no, a while? I, I, I never had an aversion to the theater. I just, you know, because I grew up in it, and that's all my family ever talked about. Any, you know, there were there, there was big family and lots of friends and. Um, many, many occasions where people were over and um, all they ever talked about was the theater. Right. At, at age six, I had had it. <laughs> and so how much of a, of a serious pursuit, I mean, a serious pursuit was acting as a child? Was it just sort never, of like... Never. No, never? No, no. Okay. No, I, I, you know, out of the question. And so when did uh, it turn into something? Uh, when I ran out of other ideas. And we're, we're in that sequence of events, because I know you considered pursuing a career in cinematography as a DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that yeah, simultaneous that. to, or was that prior no, to that was switching? Prior. That was prior. That was when I still had my two cents worth together. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, cinematography and, and um, fine arts and, you know. It's funny because it's kind like of the reverse story that you hear from many actors of like the fallback. Your fallback was to fall into acting in the theater when many are. It's the it's the dream. It's the thing that that the parents maybe don't want you to go into. Yeah, no, it was not a dream. And um, I always refer to wanting to become an actor is is something. Uh, well, I refer to it as a developmental fixation. <laughs> really, everybody wants to become an actor at one point in their usually puberty right and with the you know the, with the with the um let's say successful um finishing and of pu puberty and growing into something more adult like you shed that right um uh, wish to become an actor like I don't know, a cocoon or, you know, <laughs> something transitional. Sure. And the ones who don't make a healthy, uh, you know, don't make a healthy progress in, in their development, the ones that are fixated on these pubescent mm -hmm. kind of uh, fantasies, they then have no choice but to become actors to somehow come to terms with that fixation. Right. And um, it usually leads into alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, desperation. <laughs> How did you avoid all this, sir? How did you get to the level head that's on your shoulders today? 
uh, you know, I wonder whether I've, I have <laughs> successfully, but uh, I don't know. It's it. I, I you know, of course, it's. I, I mean, all of this uh, facetiously, but only to a certain degree. Yeah, uh, there is there is something to it, and and that's I claim why becoming an actor is really easy. Being an actor is a different story. And you you know that life. I mean, your story is fascinating. I mean, and we'll get to it. I mean, you you were a jobbing actor for decades, and mm. like and and and, were the, and I had decent jobs, by the way. Right. It you wasn't know. like you were you, you were making a living. You I'm, and you were I made in a, a real decent living. Yep. I could support a family, and occasionally I even had stuff that I liked to do. Right. And I was not um, completely disregarded or overlooked. Sure. Um, I know I'm jumping around a bit, so, so forgive okay. me. But I'll jump with you. Okay, good, good. Um, you spent some time here in, in New York yeah. in, in your in your yeah. in your youth. Um, are those? I mean, where did that where did that occur in that developmental period in that pursuit of, of that? Actually, that was on the verge of of trying to understand what was going on. Mm. You know, kind of you know, my first step into adulthood, so to say. Yeah. Same taking responsibility. And I, uh, I, I did a few things in, on television, movies, and, and uh, one theater run. And I, I felt I haven't really or hadn't really equipped myself with, uh, reliable, with reliable tools mm-hmm. and, and uh, reliable experiences. I didn't want to just go through the, the, the conventional um, European thing that you join a theater company. When, right. By the way, nothing to be said against it. It just wasn't it my your path. Yeah, I I followed an inkling and an instinct and uh, an idea, in a way, without knowing too much, but I knew that I had a deficit of some sort. You, you did study with Stella Adler here, correct? Mm. Um, did you get anything out of that? Well, it needs to be said. I did study with her, but in her script interpretation. Okay. I didn't have acting classes with her. For that, I went to Lee Strasberg. Gotcha. So then for Strasberg, did, did, yes. yes. Let me emphasize that with all vehemence. <laughs> I claim that Stella Adler's script interpretation and not Lee Strasberg's acting classes were the the one most valuable thing I did in my ed- education. So hard to probably sum up what was some months or whatever of study with uh, uh, in terms of script interpretation. But can you encapsulate a little bit of what you're talking about of what was what's proved to be so useful for you? Look, when we talk about or or I, I occasionally do when I'm being asked, um, what drew you to this story or why right. did you choose to to participate in Alida, for example. I, my, my answer, and to a degree it is a standard answer, but, but um, that, that doesn't make it any less relevant sure. to me. I go for the story. I go for the whole. And if that's something that I see 
myself in a in a right place to to uh, contribute or or participate in. Mm. that's a very good sign because that's really you know what what my my idea of the whole thing is if that then happens in the context of people that I'm interested in and I don't need to like them I need to be interested in for whatever reason but the reasons usually are kind of analog mm-hmm. um, um, then I think about the character and when all of these I, I, I compared it to a funnel you know from the from the from story the down story to the down to the to character, the character yeah. via the people mm. um that kind of you know then a, a decision as such right. is not necessary you know it kind of funnels me in and that's something that i learned from stella adler not necessarily the the actual concrete Right. method of funneling myself <laughs> that wasn't but, a three step process she taught but yeah, yeah but the gist of it was there the was, wherewithal mm. um to to actually negotiate that to, to direct my attention to the bits that i'm interested in rather to the bits that may sell well right. or look good or you know all of that my my sense in 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 hearing you talk sometimes about acting quote unquote methods and and teachings is that you sometimes can't abide by the kind of the mysticism around acting there's a lot of magic it's unbearable <laughs> okay so i'm spot on there um what are the myths about acting that you can't abide that 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 trouble you that feel that you feel need to be kind of demystified that there is a formula or a recipe that if applied diligently will lead to success right now what would that formula be that is u- universally applicable and what exactly what kind of success do you actually expect you know um it is i heard him say it with my own ears lee strasberg said teaching acting is just another way of making money and that you know like 40 years later i would i would underscore wholeheartedly and uh, multiple times yeah so they make an acting teacher acting method purveyor career and it's kind of the guru thing and um everybody wants the shortcut the easy exactly. cut exactly and the it. innocent souls fall right into it because they they really believe that they will be better actor what what would that be a better actor there's no such thing right well and what I, i think the word that maybe comes up most that i hear you say in conversation is play um yeah. when you're talking about get on with it you know that's you have that unique chance to try out something that you wouldn't dare to try out in your life right because of the consequences you might i don't know end up dead shunned uh, damaged bankrupt whatever you know there you can try it out right what does it feel like what would you do if you were that person but what would you do so you know as a well he's always playing himself well what what else is he supposed to play 
you know, oh, he's getting into this into this character like into a glove. Well, I'd, I'd recommend a glove then, you know. I mean... <laughs> Are there certain kinds of... Like, if you're on set with an actor that's going through their own process that you may personally disagree with that doesn't work for you, does that make it difficult for you to it, connect in a way? No, or um, it makes it difficult to me as Christoph because I have no patience. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but right. other than that, you know, uh, I have no right to interfere with his right. what what others you know like to um, uh, the call process. <laughs> you know, because I, I look at it and I say, well, maybe a lack of process. But then, <laughs> They're adding all the bells and whistles but, to look, kind of... Yeah, but, you know, um, I, not only do I not have a right to interfere, it would be stupid to even have an opinion sure. because, you know, if, if that's what, what, what works makes yep. it um, go, if that's what gets the juices to flow, hey, you know, Godspeed. please, yeah. you know, <laughs> please yourself. How long, how long were you here in New York then? How long was the run here initially? Now? On no, no, no. Oh, oh that was about two years, okay. and then I came back um, occasionally. Is it true you were waiting tables in that time? Yeah, and of course. Well, yeah. Just that, to that's, make ends meet. That's what you do. Yeah. Oh, oh that's obligatory. How, how was Bill Murray as a... Uh... Ah, you know the details. <laughs> I was working at La Silvette on La Guardia Place. And Bill Murray came in at, at a few occasions... And he was the sweetest guy. Yeah. And now I know him not well, unfortunately, but uh, personally. And he is the sweetest guy, so yeah. it makes all sense. Yeah. Um, so we got glossed over a little bit. And it's so, it's so fascinating because, like, I feel ignorant, frankly, because I haven't seen the work prior to a decade ago. Yeah, that's just, uh, that's a certainly recommendable ignorance. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. As you said yourself, there were some rewarding, there was some yeah, rewarding yeah, some, work some in there. Yeah, some was really good, too, you know. Um, by the time you got to that Inglorious Bastards audition, like where was your head at? I mean, had you kind of given up some ambitions of getting into English language films, which was an ambition yeah, for yeah, a time? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I hadn't given up any ambitions, but I'd given, uh, I'd sort of uh, not given up hope, but I was actually trying to cope with um, intense frustration. See, that's that's what I was referring to before, um, um, between the becoming an actor and being an actor, because if you then grow out of that uh, pubescent fixation, but you're still an actor, mm -hmm. you still you still are faced with the quotidian existence of someone who is working with a lot of those people that you you were too at one point. Sure. And um, look, it's difficult. Do you, do you believe there's some kind of like Darwinian logic by which the great actors rise? Or is it how much of it is dumb luck? Well, that's, that's very generous of you to say that. But, um, well, it is, there is... There's a balance between the personal experience that happens within this individual and the effect and the success um, on the outside. That you can't control, that's, yeah. And you can try to come to grips with uh, what, what is within your reach. Right. And that's 
primarily you yourself. Mm. The rest, it would be diluting yourself or deluding yourself a little bit um, um, because it's not within your grasp. I often hear from actors talking about sort of like you have to be in a very relaxed state. That's sort of like the, the pressure and, and getting in your own head is the enemy of, of great acting. Whether you agree with that or, or not. Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay. I would. So I, I, guess, I wouldn't f say it that methodically. Right, that's all. Again, agree as with you were discussing before, yeah. there are no laws yeah. here. Yeah. But my, I guess my question in relation to Inglorious is you land this role that you know, of course, is a hell of an opportunity with one of our great writer-directors, this delicious part. Is it, were you able to kind of let go of the quote unquote pressure because of where you were in your life? Or for me, I would feel like there's this 30 years of built up pressure that this is the time. Well, I don't know. You see, I wasn't aware of it, but that's also because I was very busy trying to wrap my mind around mm. that part, about that story, about all the implications about Quentin, really. Because, um, yeah, on, on the surface, you can grasp him right away. But there's a very, very deep um, let's call it sometimes even almost scary uh, darkness. And not darkness is maybe wrong because darkness is 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 somber and mm. and, and no, heavy. And if anything, but, he's, but, yeah. But the, you know the the depth is really what I'm what I'm referring to. And the further the further the depth reaches, the darker, of course, it gets mm. for us standing out here. So so um, I really I I knew that that. If I can contribute at all, it would be via understanding the man. Wanda, the character, or Quentin, both. No, the, the, <laughs> being in that movie. Yeah. Was the first thing you shot the opening scene of that film? Yeah. Unbelievable. Chronologically. Um, With the drive up to the house. I mean, it's, yeah, you've heard every, high, uh, Look, yeah. Yeah, but there, there it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, I can, I can do whatever, you know, and, and, and take classes with, uh, with uh, I don't know, you know, Thespis herself. But um, 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 if, if I don't have the opportunity Meaning, if I don't have that script, right, that defined and encircled the actually actual point and focus and topic yeah. for me, meaning if I'm not congruent which with what's on that page. And if what's on that page is banal and flat and silly and um, dispensable, right? 
then I have no chance. Well, especially, and I, I, you know, I've talked to many actors, and especially with respect to comedies, but maybe it's now sadly dipped into other genres too, of um, this reliance on improv uh, (laughs) in recent years. And it's... uh, Has it really worked ever? I would argue in in some specific cases at first, but generally speaking, I'm I, I agree with you. It's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a crutch. It's a shortcut to something that doesn't work generally. And as a crutch, by the way, if you if you run into an, an unsurmountable obstacle during rehearsal, hmm. and then you improvise around it to get it going to to dissolve right. it's a tool, the another blockage. tool potentially. Yes, great yes. as a tool. Or if you go to an improv show, where the the, the very purpose yeah the end all be all is that thing. exactly yes. is admiring uh, the flexibility yes. and imagination and spontane- spontaneity yeah. of the performance, fantastic yeah. No, 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 no. If if we have a if we have a script, you know, that's it. Right, right. Um, and if you have a script like Quentin's, you'd be really stupid. Yeah. To start improvising, the, the hubris of an actor to think that they can improve on, yeah, that exactly. Exactly. Good luck. <laughs> um, you certainly approached your career seemingly like you were making up for lost time in the in the decades since. I mean, just to look at them, the filmmakers you've worked with to rattle off a few: Alexander Payne, Tim Burton, uh, Polanski, Terry Gilliam, Sam Mendes. I mean, these are the the, the best of the best. Um, Polanski, for instance, who was a fascinating um, filmmaker, and um, you worked with him on Carnage, of course, and is from all right, from from all accounts, a meticulous filmmaker. Um, um, meticulous is not the right okay, word. Okay, tell me, what's the right word? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect is the only word that describes it. Rehearsal was involved. Yeah. Very rare that nowadays. Was meticulous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to, but very much your speed. It sounds like in terms of fantastic. his approach. Fantastic. It's it's really uh, the, the last grandmaster. And um, the, the the grandmaster, the master of grandmasters. Mm. Uh, the, the look. I don't even like every movie that he made, and that's not what I mean. But his making is perfect yeah it's it's um um you you you've never seen anything like it nor have you experienced it and not everybody takes to it right i've heard stories sure not everybody it's not for everybody this kind of perfection and you know you, you could of course rightly argue well, I mean, you know, it's all for the movie, and is it really required mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that's not the question. I mean, not for me. Right. I always wonder, I bring it up all the time, like someone like Polanski, and I bring it up with actors who have or haven't worked with him, like the Fincher test. Like, I wonder, and I feel like you could be someone that would fit into his meticulousness, perfection, whatever you want to call it, um, attention to detail, precision. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and thinking. Right, the man thinks precisely like um, like you've never seen anyone, you know, really analyze and really follow logic, and um, 
precise thinking is 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 a good thing. It's well, if you have very the goods to back it up, yeah, too. Um, and then I think of someone much different who who he's been here as well. But like I think of when I think of Terry Gilliam, I think kind of like of anarchy of of, of play to use Indeed. the. Um, so you we we know you enjoy play, but we also know you enjoy perfection and meticulousness. No, well, yeah, but but it's it's the, you know what wavelength do you tune into? And and I think it's you're well advised to tune into the wavelength of the director. Right. It's the job of the actor to meet them on their yeah, and it's also in a way it's the job of the actor to to inspire the director to have more ideas. You know, it 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 needs to be a vicious circle, Mm -hmm. and and then it's fun. And I I adore Terry, also yeah, for different reasons apparently. Well, no, I mean, an infectious personality, probably a lot like Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, like really the, the, the archetypical artist, yes. you know, mushrooming <laughs> imagination manifested. Do you, how do you take to a director giving you a line reading? Not too well. Yeah. Not too well. Because, you know, if they know so exactly how to, to read that line then maybe they should play the part. Right. Because if it's really... Look, if we discuss the process that results in a line reading, line reading fine. And if, it, if there's no time, you know, and it's a shortcut, and, you know, the, the suggestion flies out, mm. I don't care. But I've worked with... with uh, or rehearsed with directors <laughs> that gave me to come know, to fruition, perhaps that <laughs> insisted on specific line readings, and that's where it stayed. <laughs> um, I t- I've talked a bunch of times with um, one of your co-stars, Samuel L. Jackson, about mm. um, about that topic, and he's in agreement with you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and he also is very adamant. Like I asked him, uh, this is a question that comes up a lot. Like acting for the theater, acting for film. He he laughed his head off at that you know, oh, the that, idea he's of a kindred spirit you know he yeah. really is because yeah you know, and then what what would be the difference explain that i guess my, my question is and I, I defer to the experts of course but is does it help to know where the camera is how close it is anything at all well yes it possibly does mm. but after you've done it twice or three times you know where the camera is right and you know if you grew up in a in a in a world and time uh, like Sam and I did that's one of the first things you learn and and it turns into a sixth sense right or you know you know where the camera is without looking where the camera is right and that's how it should be you know that's why i'm so against these schools and methods and you need to do this and you need to do that no you need to you know um, wrap your mind around it and get on with it yeah strip it all away if anything um i mean i guess I'm curious, like you mentioned, you know, you alluded to like maybe a collaboration that didn't work out <laughs> in a rehearsal. What do you do when you know you're not on the same wavelength as a director and you're on day two and day three of a 60-day shoot? 
how do you get through it? How do you, what's your job as an actor? Well, that, that's why it's a profession. Yeah. That's where it that's comes where down it to really, the work. That's where, work. <laughs> you know, that's where you then need some form of technique, yes. um, some, you know, a, a toolbox, you know, and yeah. they say, no, that, that chisel is too wide and the screwdriver is the wrong tool and I, yeah. I need a plane here, you know, to plane it down. Um, which is a good thing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Has anything surprised... I mean, okay, so you, you have this long career that is prosperous to a degree in those 30 years prior. Um, this amazing shift happens with Inglorious. You win the Oscar well-deserved. You win another Oscar. Um, you're working with the best filmmakers on the planet. Did anything in the last decade, and it has been a decade now, did it surprise you in terms of like... Any aspect, whether it's the in, quote unquote industry, the yeah, yeah. I recently had an experience that I that I'm not at liberty to talk about, but um, um, I, there are there are surprises. Of course, there are, and if there aren't any more surprises, it would be sort of kind of dull. Mm. Going through the motions is not worth it, especially right. after you've done it a few times. To just to, you know, then I don't know, do something else. We started by talking a little bit about spectacle and the kind of the empty spectacle versus something like Alita that, that does have some emotional connection for an audience, hopefully, if it works for them, and it did for me. Um, you know, we, we end up talking a lot because it just fills the multiplex about these quote-unquote superhero films, the Star Wars films, etc. Do any of them, have any of them connected with you on any kind of emotional no. level? No. Categorically, <laughs> not. <laughs> um, but the, you see, that's why... Um, that's why I'm, I'm. I was very skeptical about Alita, you know, and wholeheartedly, with flying colors, I can say this is different. Yeah, it is different in every respect, on every level. It is really an experience. It is something that that. I would not have thought possible with me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that you could fit into. No, that I could, watching it, like something like that so much. Right. And be so enthusiastic about it. Well, yeah, one of the great pleasures of my life, I mean, I, I, I've been doing this a while, and I, I probably talked to James Cameron a dozen times the year Avatar came out, and talking about intellect and... Mm emotional intelligence mm. and theatrical intelligence. Mm. He just, it, mm. it, he's the best. Mm. Um, he's probably someone that if you asked any question about something on the fringes outside of those script pages would have a, a 20 minute answer for. Oh, well, that's not for nothing. They created a museum about Pandora. Right. Every, <laughs> every plant, every creature, every, every occurrence right. is scientifically at least justified. Right. So having had this wonderful experience on this, are you open to... So Marvel comes calling, DC comes calling, will you give them the benefit of the doubt that they can come up with something? I don't, I don't want to ever be general. Right. You know, it needs to be specific. But for a very simple, very egotistical reason, I don't think I can contribute if it's not specific. Sure. Like a superhero as such... Not that anyone would offer me a su to play a superhero, but uh, what is that? Right. And coming back to Stella Adler, you know, the four W's or five W's really, 
are the thing that uh, that need to be uh, the the things that need to be satisfied. What, yeah. where, when, why, and who? So the same W's for a journalist. They yeah. work, <laughs> work for us yeah, as well. Of course, yeah. No, it, I mean for a real journalist, for for someone who copies the internet, you know, that's easier. But right. he, I don't think he should call himself or herself a journalist. This is true. I, I often say my my greatest asset is my competition out there. Um, <laughs> a lot mm. of people uh, like to read off a, a list of uh, of questions and not really care about this stuff. Um, do you, do you consume a lot of film? You were on the Venice Film Festival jury last year. Yeah, I, I don't. I try not to consume anything. Uh, I mean, <laughs> bad word. In, bad in, word. in, 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 yeah. in f- respect to films, sure, sure. Um, or reference to films. Um, but I watch n- not obsessively. Mm. I, I do watch a lot of films, and I sometimes rewatch films. Um, when when I start thinking about something, and then uh, film comes to mind, and then I try to uh, rewatch it, and that's the one advantage this this uh, streaming right. frenzy is good for. The Everything is at our fingertips. Virtually any film you could imagine. And and I like to rewatch movies when they're being offered um, on bigger screens. Of course. What's uh. Are, can you cite any films that you return to again and again? Recently, recently I watched Le Mépris, Le Mépris, uh, Godard, and um, I hadn't seen it for a long time. And I, I remember having been duly impressed, mostly by the two butt cheeks of Brigitte Bardot. But, um, <laughs> Makes an impression. <laughs> uh, no, hey, uh, that, that still impressed me. <laughs> but um, um, anything impressed you in the last? Uh, the last year of current film? No, but, but what, what I wanted to say about uh, Le Mépris is oh, yeah. interesting. I hadn't seen it for 30 years or so. And re-watching it, and now still being impressed about the aforementioned, but, um, sure. you know, uh, it really annoyed me. It is horribly boring. <laughs> you know, that, that music carries on, and Fritz Lang is... Uh, um, putting on the sage and it, it annoyed me at no end. Isn't that the worst feeling to return to something that you've revered as a, as a child or bot? I mean, you've changed. The film hasn't, unfortunately. It, it it didn't leave me for about two weeks. Well, there you go. Okay, so something's still and, in there. And I thought, well, you know, um, Godin is such a mean bastard. That's probably what he wanted to do, you right. know. Get under my skin with something that, while I'm sitting there, I say, "Oh God, when is it over?" Right. Now another thing, and you know, um, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it, about the, you know, the conundrum in it, the dilemma in it, the development of uh, events, you know, the characters, the, the time, the period, you know, I, I was really immersed in it for two weeks, rather for an hour and a, than for an hour and a half. That's the dream, I think, for all mm. of us, every time we step into a, a dark room. Um, this has been a, a real pleasure. Uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a great admirer of your work. And, you. Um, you know, I appreciate your thoughtfulness and your uniqueness, the perspe- unique perspective you, you bring to your, your work and the way you choose films. Um, you're welcome here anytime, sir. That's very kind of you. Thank Congratulations you. on Elite Battle Angel. Everybody should check it out. As I said, spectacle, sure, is fine, but this one... Um, now this one, this one is really, 
the real deal. It is. The full the full experience. Exactly. I just had the full Christoph Waltz experience, so thank you again, <laughs> sir. <laughs> and so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha, ha, ha.